Hello St. James, welcome to the end of January and lockdown number three. Um, I have been asked to do the sermon for today, so let's start with a prayer. Father God, thank you that even though we cannot be in church together, that you are with us wherever we are, that your church lives where you send us. And pray that you would renew our minds and our hearts, that we may carry on doing your will wherever you put us. Amen. I think Steve takes a delicious delight in giving me all the apocalyptic passages. Every time it's my turn to preach, I seem to be getting something a bit different. And there's lots of scope for getting Revelation wrong. But here's my attempt. There are some things that John, the writer of Revelation, tells us. So today's reading is very brief. It stops at verse 5. And we don't really know who these two characters are, but read a bit beyond, go up to verse 9, and John tells us that this great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, is the one deceiving the whole world. Well, that's clear. We know who he is. He's a serpent from Genesis 3, the one who convinces Adam and Eve to eat the fruit of the knowledge of, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He is the one who sows disharmony between us and God, between us and each other, between us and creation, between, well, disharmony is his thing. And here he is making another appearance at the end of the story because he hasn't created enough chaos. It's like the Mitchell brothers returning to EastEnders one more time just to make things that much more difficult. So we know who the dragon is. Who's this pregnant woman? The one who's clothed with the sun, the moon under her feet and a crown of stars. Doesn't sound practical. Well, unfortunately, John isn't quite so clear about who she is. And you can do some research on this and everyone seems to have a different idea of who she is exactly. Um, in the Middle Ages, she was uh, very often linked with the Virgin Mary. Um, she could be Israel, so, you know, the, uh, God's people before Christ. And my favourite, though, is that this is the Church of God. Um, if you look at Song of Songs, uh, chapter 6, verse 10, the beloved is described as arising like the dawn, as fair as the moon, as bright as the sun. But just because it's my favourite doesn't mean it's the right explanation. But what we do know is that she is not with the dragon. And we know from the Gospel of Matthew that Jesus says, anyone who isn't with me opposes me. And anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. So to put this in really simple terms, this epic battle that's described throughout the book of Revelation is between the goodies on the side of God's love and justice and the baddies on the side of Satan's chaos and misery. So if the dragon is the ultimate baddie, he is Satan, he is the one who created the downfall in Genesis, um, then the pregnant woman must be a goodie. But with all this imagery, what is this passage in Revelation trying to say? 
what is the message for us 2,000 years after it was written and who knows how long before Jesus comes again? Well, we know that Satan is still around, that he's still trying to mess with God's good creation, just as he has been since Genesis. And it's easy sometimes to look at the world with human eyes. And we see people doing wrong, don't we? That person shouldn't have done this or that. And certainly people have a great capacity for evil. People do make mistakes. And we cannot absolve ourselves of that responsibility. But there is so much more than that. Humans lust after riches, but Satan has created a society where greed thrives. Humans can be sexist and racist and bigoted, but Satan has created a culture where that is acceptable. Satan's greatest trick has been to convince us that he doesn't exist. He lures us away from God not with the promise of himself, because who'd go with that? But with promises of wealth, with fame, power. Con these concepts corrupt the human heart so that they turn from God. And so if we look at this with this in mind, if we look at the world with the mind frame of what Satan is doing here, we can see the dark spiritual powers at work against God, against God's church and against God's world. Because we are in the middle of an epic cosmic battle. And if we do that, then we stop treating one another as enemies. We recognise that we are each vulnerable to temptation, to fall at Satan's hand. And we become more patient with one another Instead of criticising the person, we can look at the root cause and seek ways to eradicate the problem together. And we can take heart, we are not doing this alone. Heaven's armies are on our side and we know that the Lamb has already won the war. Even before his death and resurrection, Jesus um, had power over demons and unclean spirits. The reading from Mark today shows this, because ultimately nothing can prevent the kingdom of God. We are either with it or against it. And so when we pray as Jesus taught us, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven, then we should look in hope at the world around us. Because that is God's promise. That's not to say that we should dismiss evil when we see it. We should not condone misery. We shouldn't sit by and just let bad things happen. But we can trust that God will win. And we should also consider what we can do to further the kingdom of God in our thoughts, in our words, and in our actions, in how we relate to one another and in how we relate to God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that uh, amidst all the chaos around us, that we can trust in you, 
that we have hope from you, hope for a future. We pray for this world and that you would send your healing and your comfort to those who are hurting and that you will again renew us to fight the good fight. Amen.